0: Welcome to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Schachman. And I'm WECT investigative reporter Michael Pratz. And on this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff on the downtown northern riverfront. First off, we're going to talk about Live Oak Pavilion, take a little break, and then talk about the Thermo Fisher Building. And if you don't know what that is, it's the PPD building. All right, let's jump into it. All right, so you had a story this week about something we've actually talked about on the podcast repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with... Who performs at the, and I'm trying to get this right, the Live Oak Pavilion?
1: Live Oak Bank Pavilion at Riverfront Park.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm sure somewhere someone really wants us to get that exactly right.
1: <laughs> yes, and to a lesser degree, well, not to a lesser degree, to the same degree, but in a smaller venue, we're talking Greenfield Lake Amphitheater as well, but uh, the Live Oak Bank Pavilion is obviously the uh, flagship park of the city with that amphitheater, so that's kind of what we're focusing on. However, the story does cross... Um, both venues for the most part and even goes down to, you know, local beach bars and stuff. I mean, the, we're talking about the selection of music, basically. And the story started off as I was hoping to get Live Nation as well as local concert promoters who have a role in picking the music and, you know, how do they decide, um, you know, what bands play here. Obviously, there's a lot of logistics that go into booking a band, Um, I am not a concert promoter, so I can't pretend like I know everything, but you're going to have issues with dates, conflicts. You know, if you're playing in Raleigh on Tuesday, you can't be in Wilmington on Tuesday, obviously. So bands have to pick this. Promoters have to work with the logistics of it all. Live Nation did not really want to talk to me about this. They did give me a statement. They were very nice, but I didn't get an interview. Um, Local promoters also did not want to be interviewed. So I went to Wilmington City Council first. I talked with Councilman Kevin Spears, First, And he kind of set the stage for how this story went um, because he was sort of my litmus test. I said, hey, listen, we've noticed a lot of the bands playing the Live Oak Bane Pavilion over the past years haven't been very diverse. And when I say diverse, we're talking diversity amongst genres. You're not talking about some kind
0: of, you know, d- diverse of the ethnicities or the races or the genders, of the people who are performing because people of all races and genders and ethnic backgrounds can all p- play bro-pop
1: country. Exactly. Darius Rucker. Um, Sorry, Darius. We, you know, there, it, it is, there is an issue with a lack of diversity uh, amongst uh, minority groups. However, this is bigger than that. This is really looking at, uh, we've talked about it, we've joked about it, we I, I haven't heard anybody play there that knows what a distortion pedal is. Um, it is very much bro pop country, uh, as well as it falls into the indie rock and jam band categories. We're talking 30-minute uh, noodling on guitars and a lot of brass. And we should say, for the record, if that's your thing,
0: that's fine. But it seems to be taking up a disproportionate, almost complete hold on the booking schedule.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to find out how this is getting picked, what's going on here. Um, For the past six years since I've been here, you look at uh, Greenfield Lake Amphitheater, Hugh Morton Amphitheater, formerly known. The bands have all been, well, over the years, you get a lot of the similar and the same bands coming through GLA. Um, And I get that. That's a great thing that musicians want to return to these venues because Let's face it, GLA and the new amphitheater um, are pretty cool venues just in terms of geography, where they're located, They're beautiful settings. So a lot of musicians want to play them. Uh, but again, wanted to find out what's going into picking these artists. And I didn't really get to the bottom of that. Like if there's a community input group, if local promoters are working hand-in-hand um, hand with Live Nation saying this is what fits. Um but seeing as both of these venues are city-owned, you would think that the city, you know, could have some sort of say in it. And obviously Live Nation rents these venues from the city. Um, it is a private business. I do not fault them for, you know, they need to book what sells. Um, but when you don't have the diversity in the acts, I mean, yes, we know that jam bans, widespread panic, um... Steep Canyon Rangers, that sort of music, as well as uh, the Darius Rucker and Brantley Gilbert style uh, music will sell tickets as well. But we're not really seeing that diversity. And Kevin Spears, Councilman Kevin Spears, he basically said, yeah, I have been asked a lot. This is not just you. You're not crazy. This is, you know, I've been wondering, a lot of people have been asking me, they've asked other members of city council. What's going on with all the country music? That's what he said. Uh, he was obviously joking um, about, you know, he, he made it clear. He's like, I don't have a problem with anybody who likes country music, um, but there is that lack of diversity. So that's what we wanted to find out. Live Nation didn't really give us that input, but I did talk with two radio hosts as well as Mayor Bill Sappho. And this might be the only story I've done where, like, everybody from different walks of life really agreed – on the same thing, and nobody was really even... I didn't get any angry emails about this, which is, you know, somewhat surprising. Pretty rare, let's be honest. Yeah, so, you know, it's clear that there's a lot of appetite for different genres of music. I talked with uh, Brandon Hickman, better known as Big B, uh, from 97.3, Coast 97.3. Talked with Randy Slack over at Modern Rock, and both of them said, you know, we're not being asked to help pick any of these bands. They have a pulse on the local music scene. Now, Live Nation, obviously, they know what they're doing. They're not required to go to these radio hosts, but it, you know, even, even Mayor Bill Sappho said, like, it would re- be a really good idea to, like, talk with the people who know what's going on in this community.
0: Yeah, and I think this comes down to the corporations that we're talking about here, Live Nation being the largest, uh, AE, AEG? AEG, yep. And Spectrum and the other ones you know, they're not required to do anything uh, other than really just look at their own bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you don't like what's on Netflix, you don't like what's on Hulu or cable TV or what's coming to your local town, you know, a lot of that is just profit algorithms, you know, what will sell the most. Mm-hmm. And some people call that the lowest common denominator. Some people just say, you know, this is really popular. But there's also being a corporate citizen. Mm-hmm. And if this, if Live Nation had bought the land and built the venue, um, and operated it in this fashion, and you know, large portions of the population felt like they weren't seeing the acts that they wanted to see. I would say, well, that's up, that's up to the nation. Yeah, but I think the situation is a little bit different, mm-hmm. at least philosophically, because this is a partnership with the city of Wilmington. Right. Wilmington taxpayers, um, through the parks bond, paid for the lion's share of that arena and built Greenfield Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, amphitheater, and continue to own them, technically. Right. And Live Nation has a management contract. Mm -hmm. So Live Nation is here to work with the city for the city, to provide a service for the city. They are a service provider. Mm -hmm. And I think that raises the bar a little bit in terms, and and also increases the leverage the city should at least, in my opinion, have Mm -hmm. when it says, hey. And I know this sounds a little silly because usually we're here pontificating about Slightly more serious civic issues. Yes, but the people demand metal and hip hop. Yes,
1: yeah, they do. And you know that was a that was another thing that, um, and I just want to put this out there because there's always. I mean, I look at the comment section on Facebook, and by and large, I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, of course, you're going to have people that say, "Oh, you're just uh, this is wokeism. You're just you know getting diversity for the sake of diversity," and that's not it because it spans all genres. We're talking. Hip hop, we're talking blues, we're talking jazz. I mean, Big B was like, I would love to see a blues festival. It would definitely sell. Um, you know, as he referred to it, urban music is not just hip hop. There's so many other genres that are being left off the board here. And then, you know, you talk with Randy Slack, who it's a completely different genre of music that, you know, 987 plays. And we're not seeing that either. Although I will say this year, we've already gotten the announcement that Incubus and Coheed and Cambria will be playing, which are two more mainstream, modern rock bands. Incubus, I would argue, is not that modern, but um, you know, it's still it crosses into that alternative rock as opposed to the acoustic, G Love indie bands, uh, that sort of music. And again, nothing against those bands. Everybody said. Yes, let's keep bringing these people here because they're clearly doing well. It's bringing economic benefits to the town. But let's make it a little more of an even playing field for everybody because everybody paid for this venue. Yeah. So
0: I think, you know, I think the comment section tells you a lot. You know, you you can subtract the 10 percent trolls. Yeah. It tells you a lot about the pulse. Um, you know, there's a lot of bad things to be said about the comment section. But it is a valuable tool sort of gauging, you know, as a reporter – Am I tilting at windmills? You know, is this a personal grudge or personal grievance or something that I think is a problem that the public doesn't think is a problem? Right. And I think solidly we could say, you know, this is something that people think about and are concerned about. I don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, but I, again, I do know that the city has a partnership with Live Nation that is not set in stone and is not forever. Mm-hmm. Um, not that the city would threaten Live Nation, but I think more is just, you know, this is a company that works with the city. Right. I think the powers that be could say, hey, this is what our constituents want.
1: Yeah. And the interesting and the, you know, in in my opinion, this is what journalism is about is getting, you know, bringing these issues to light and seeing some positive change. And Mayor Sappho, <clears throat> sorry, Mayor Sappho, along with Kevin Spears, um, both said, you know, we absolutely, uh, Live Nation does get to pick the final bands, but... They're very welcome to having conversations with us. They've been great about other issues we've had, um, you know, whether it be litter or um, noise complaints, things like that. And both of them said, yes, we are absolutely, this is great. We want this out there because we're going to talk with them and we're going to do what we can to increase the diversity of bands playing. And Live Nation did send a statement. They said, oh, we bring diversity in. Um, and to be fair, they did have... Some, but not a lot of of music that, you know, crossed the genre boundaries. Yeah, and if you don't care about the genre
0: differences between, you know, BroHop and <laughs> whatever else is going on, I understand. But think about this. I'm going to drive six hours to Asheville to see Gojira and Mastodon, and I'm going to spend way too much money on two beers yes. at the venue, and I'm going to get a hotel and I'm probably go out to eat. And we spent a lot of money in Asheville. Yeah. And that, Wilmington has that opportunity, too. So it's not just about the people in Wilmington. It's the more diverse range of bands you have. I mean, people used to drive to Raleigh all the time. There's no reason to think that we couldn't compete on a level playing field with Raleigh and Durham and that people would drive here to see those shows because, frankly, our venues are nicer.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'll just uh, own personal anecdotal experience. I went to 19 concerts the past concert season in the past, like, six months and seven months and I think three of them were in Wilmington. Um, I, I went to Raleigh for the majority of it. Um, obviously, going to California is a little bit different for a show, but by and large, I was hitting up uh, Red Hat Amphitheater was the biggest venue that I, uh, or the venue I went to the most. Uh, the Walnut Creek Amphitheater, went there a couple times, and they are bringing in that more diverse lineup. and. You know, a lot of people also said in the comment section, hey, um, you know, this comes down to our venue size. You can't get big bands to play here, which fair. But we did see acts like Tame Impala, which is a huge band. It was a massive sellout. We saw, um, you know, some of these country acts that are very popular. I don't personally know them, um, but I do know that a lot of them sold very well. Um, we had you know, Dispatch, OAR, other bi- big-name bands. I mean, I saw Dispatch in 2008 sell out Madison Square Garden for three nights. So to say the venue's too small, not buying it. Widespread Panic sells out shows all around the country. Again, not my type of music, but it just goes to show that this does, uh, it does have the capacity. And one interesting thing that I really hadn't thought about that Mayor Sappho said was, you know we can get some of these bigger bands if they do a very brief residency so to speak you know three nights which is what widespread panic which is what grizz do um, and that kind of spreads out the the ability to sell more tickets to where you know you get 7,000, seven thousand seventy five hundred people per show and you put them there for three nights you're talking pnc arena size crowds so It is possible to spread these things out. It is possible to uh, spread the wealth is what Big B was saying. So I do think we're going to see some uh, diversity in the acts. But I talked with some people, too, who are are saying, yes, this is great that there is, you know, this positive change, that there's this desire for it, that they seem willing to work and try and find other bands. Um, But at the same time, They do see this as a problem that should have never existed because at a bare minimum, if you don't, you know, if you don't care about the genres and you like what you like and you just say, I don't care, I love country and that's what I'm listening to, fine. But as a business decision, you're missing an entire, you're missing a lot of genres here that are potential customers. And I can tell you, while yes, there were a lot of sellout shows um, and very full shows, there were some that did not sell. So if you swap those out with, you know, some of these bigger other types of acts, um, potentially, you know, it's a business decision at the end of the day, and it just seems like they're missing a huge portion of the population.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to leave that story for now. Yes. Uh, all right, and time for a quick break? I think so. All right, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the city's new digs. Let's do it. Welcome back to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Shockman, And I'm WECT Investigative Reporter Michael Pratt. Okay, well, we got to talk about this one. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the city of Wilmington would like to at least consider purchasing the former PPD headquarters. That's now the Thermo Fisher building. And if you don't know what that is, it's the
1: tallest building in New Hanover County. Yeah, it's it's big. You can't miss it if you come in on MLK. I mean, I don't need to tell people what this is. This is the biggest building in Wilmington. If you if you know Wilmington, you know what building we're talking about. Um, right there near the amphitheater we were just talking about. Yeah. So
0: here's the deal. Um, a couple weeks ago, um, it came to my attention that this was something the city was very, very tangentially thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, for years and years, in fact, for, the, for over 20 years, uh, the city has been looking at various uh, need studies because they're kind of scattered around uh, Wilmington. There's an engineering building, there's a legal services building, there's a comms department, mm-hmm. and they're in six or seven different buildings that are you know spread out five, six miles apart in some cases. And it's just never been their top priority to deal with this. And I say I respect that because, you know, if you've got a choice between having a nicer office for yourself and spending money on projects that benefit the public and you choose the latter, I say good work.
1: Yeah, and we're talking um, just for reference points here. Uh, if you're on 3rd Street and you start with Thalian Hall, um, you have Thalian Hall in between Chestnut and Princess Street, uh, which is where some of the city offices are city clerk building Obviously, city is going to keep that, wants to keep that. That's historic, and that is City Hall. You don't, you know, unless you're building a brand new City Hall, most places keep their historic buildings. Um, So that's one. Right across the street, people might not be aware, um, which was the Crescom Bank building. City of Wilmington purchased that, I believe, last year outright. They had been renting some spaces up on the second, third, fourth, fifth floors um, for some of their offices for admin that's where the comms office is. I believe the fire marshals in that building as well. Um, and then you have 305 Chestnut Street, which is directly across the parking lot of Thalian Hall. Um, that's where you have planning, planning stuff. Uh, I believe city attorney might be in there. Oh, yeah. So you have people spread out. Yeah, and
0: th- that. So the the most advanced plan that the city had up until very recently which came out of a 2021-2022 need study was that building that 305 which is you know caddy corner from the united bank building right um caddy wampus can we say caddy wampus caddy wampus let's go for it it's caddy wampus from the united bank building um was to redevelop that whole block mm-hmm. and build a massive multi-purpose city building. and this was going to cost 90 to 96 million dollars. Mm-hmm. They knew they were going to have to move a lot of things around in the budget or you know delay things or just phase this in. But that was the plan on the books. You know it wasn't finalized, but that's what you know, that was sort of the leading candidate on how to deal with a solution. And then it came to the city's attention, and we're still working on how exactly that happened. That Thermo Fisher um, was not asking as much for the building as market indicators might suggest. Right. And that's because the building itself and everything that's in it and the parking lot and the parking deck next to it, this is a 12 and a half acre property altogether, is worth $141 million. And that's everything from the blinds to the building to mm-hmm. the, the generous, that's everything. And you know, Thermo Fisher, when they when they built this in the mid two thousands, uh, sorry, PPD, when PPD built this in the mid two thousands, they put a lot of money into it and a lot of money into the property, and so I guess the the city was sort of caught off guard that they were asking for so little. Um, now, so when I little, say so yeah. little, there's two <laughs> caveats. One, um, you know, it seems as if Thermo has had trouble selling the building because they. Effectively told the world they wanted to get rid of it Mm -hmm. um, last April, and have had no progress. They they told the Wilmington Business Journal that they were making progress, but it doesn't seem like they were. Now, a building sale of that magnitude takes time. Sure, but it seems like they were having difficulty maybe getting the market rate for this. And Mm -hmm. we should say that thermo. Uh, is which purchased pbd over the last couple of years is not leaving wilmington is not planning any kind of mass layoffs it doesn't seem like they ever really needed or wanted right. the pbd building it came i mean they purchased the company of pbd for right. 17 some billion dollars and so the building itself is kind of a drop in the bucket of that right and thermo has embraced sort of more flexible remote working sure. um you know uh, situations for their employees so they didn't really need it so it's just to be clear, this is not an indication that Thermo is going under or Wilmington's going to lose a major employer. They were very <laughs> Thermo really wants you to know that. Yes. Um, but okay, so the building was on the market for a long time. It didn't seem to be any, um, you know, traction on that, regardless of what Thermo is saying, because they are now turned to, you know, a, a city is not usually like the top bidder on private real estate. Sure. But here we are. So 68 million on the one hand is less than they thought the building uh, would cost. It is less than their other plan Mm -hmm. for consolidating the majority of city offices. And that wouldn't include the police department and a few other things. Right. Um, It's more than we have anecdotally heard that other people had been quoted for the building. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one issue, right? Is, Is the price right? Um, which is something the city is going to be looking at over the next couple of months. The other question is, is this just too much property?
1: Right. I mean, it's a massive building. You've seen it. Like we said, it's the tallest building in Wilmington. Um, clearly, the city has needs um, to. And yes, it makes sense to keep your all your people in one place. It prevents having to walk from, um, you know, from the Crestcom Bank building over to 305, which isn't that big of a deal. But for efficiency purposes. It, it does make sense on that level to wanna have everybody there, um, but it is a massive piece of property. It's a massive building. Uh, can the city fill it out? Is that worth it? I know there were, uh, in your story, you reported on this first, uh, there's some discussion, and I believe a press release was sent that there you know could be opportunity for private investment to rent that out, make some money off the back end of this, But we're once again getting into the realm of public mixing with private industry. And that has left a very sour taste in State Treasurer Dale Falwell's mouth. I haven't talked to him about this in particular, Um, but just going over the past few years in New Hanover County, you and I have talked to him a lot about public private uh, mixture and you know, he's not crazy about it. Now, the city hasn't, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't announced, like, you know, whether or not this would be a public-private partnership like the River Place or like Project Grace proposal or like uh, the county admin building, I believe. Yeah, so there's a lot. So all
0: the city has done so far is announced that they're thinking about it. Next Tuesday at the city council meeting, what they're going to do is vote up or down to move into a consideration period. They're going to mm-hmm. put a half million dollars down, and that is... Mayor Saffel would like you to know, completely refundable if they walk away from this, which is okay, that's good, right? And then they have 120 days to look at this deal, kick the tires, drive it around, see if they like it or not, and also have those conversations with the local government commission, which Mm -hmm. is um, the wing of uh, Dale Falwell's state treasurer's office, that really looks at these deals and ultimately has to approve them. And then think about, do they want to do a P3, or do they want to do a straight up sale? Most of the evidence I've seen, because I know the city is already looking at Um, the logistics of issuing bonds. Mm -hmm. So it looks like they would do a limited obligation bond series. Basically, they would take out a loan and buy this directly.
1: Which I will say, just sorry to interrupt, but I will say that that is, um, I'm sure, something that Dale Falwell will be thrilled to hear um, because he is all about, you know, Wilmington and New Hanover County are in such strong economic places that these public-private partnerships in the traditional sense that we've been talking about Um, really, in his opinion, don't get you the best bang for your buck. You can borrow money even with interest rates. A Moody's AAA bond rating for a city um, gives you access to cheap money, relatively speaking. So that has, um, you know, seeing that right out the gate tells me there could be some some better favor looking at this proposal.
0: Yeah, I I specifically talked to Sappho about this, and I said, um, I'm being candid with you, Uh, I said, well, you have the advantage of having not picked a fight with Dale Falwell repeatedly. Yes. And he said, no, no, I respect Dale Falwell, I respect the LGC, um, You know, I understand that they are fiscally conservative, and that's the reason, he gives them a lot of credit for the reason that many, in fact, most cities, towns, villages, and counties in North Carolina, with a few notable exceptions. Hamlets? Hamlets are in good financial shape because the LGC won't let you get over your skis, he said, look, we've got a AAA bond rating, we've got plenty of money in the bank. I did ask him if he thought the city was going to be overextended, mm-hmm. and he said, no, we can handle this responsibly financially. Um, that doesn't answer the question of whether they should, but financially, they're on pretty stable ground. He feels like the LGC will agree. Now, there's a couple mitigating factors for this price that we should talk about. One is, Thermo Fisher has agreed to lease a couple floors of the building uh, for a few years, which will bring in around $6 million. Um, there's, it's not clear how many extra floors will be available, but at least I'd say it's safe to say there will be at least a hundred thousand square feet of office space to Mm -hmm. rent to private companies in that ballpark. Right. Um, and then there's other parcels they could sell off. There's the parking deck, uh, it's thousand spot parking deck, which Mm -hmm. has some financial
1: opportunities. And then there's all of the city buildings they'd be moving out of. And that is where I start to question things because the press release said that um, you know if we sell these buildings or if we if we move into PPD, we have the opportunity to let private industry take over those buildings, which you know in in terms of fiscal responsibility, number one, because you are talking taxpayer money. Um, but as well as the city kind of monopolizing, the city and the county have monopolized the area basically from um, the library, you, then next door you have the Crescom Bank, then you have Thalian Hall, then you have 305 Chestnut. Um, you know, a very prominent, the, the center of downtown in the main corridor is owned by government. Um, those are very, you know, obviously popular spots that could be used for private developments for private uh investments into the economy here the question is will the city really let those buildings go yeah so
0: a couple of things here um one one of the internal concerns of the city this is obviously not the kind of thing they put in a press release but it's something they've been talking about is is taking the thermo fisher slash ppd building off the map as as a economic development recruitment tool a mistake Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's, you know, you could see this either way. On the one hand, that is a marquee property that a company could come in and plant its flag. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, increasingly, companies are looking for these flexible work situations where they might not want 370,000 square feet. Sure. They might just want a floor because many of their employees are working remotely. So that's a legitimate question. There's also the question of does this send a message to the sort of economic development world that the city was unable to recruit tenants for that building? Mm -hmm. Um, That they just didn't have and not just the city, but the county and all of the various there's so many economic Mm -hmm. development partners. Yes, um, that just that collective team of economic development uh, thinkers couldn't solve this square footage problem. That's an open question. And then there's what you're saying, which is, what about those properties? Will the city really let them go? Right now, they're saying financially they'd have to. Mm-hmm. They they've been hesitant to give an estimate, although internally the city has been talking around thirty million dollars. Right um, now, there are some rules around how governments get rid of property that make it a little different than just like a private person company, mm-hmm. you know, selling their assets. The other part of this story is that there's another thing the city could do with the properties, and that would be a series of public-private partnerships. Because if, if the city has to auction the property, it can, it can give it to a nonprofit, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, if the city auctions the property, it's really like the best, you know, whoever wants it right. gets it. The hammer comes best, down.
1: Best deal wins. Do I hear
0: a million, three million, three million, three million to the man yes. in the cowboy hat. Um, and then the city doesn't get a lot of say over what happens to that building afterwards. If someone wants to build, if it's allowed by zoning and someone wants to build uh, a McDonald's car wash combo, Mm -hmm. um, which I think actually might not be allowed. That's not allowed. Okay, but if they want to build something boring and unhelpful, um, they can can do that. With a public-private partnership, the city has a much stronger hand in what happens there. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a number of developers who are already thinking about this and uh, are sort of waiting to see the city's next move, but there's some possible you know, some stuff that would really transform what downtown Wilmington looks like, both in terms of sort of bringing, you know, shopping and dining um, from the Front Street area all the way up to Third Street, and sort of connect to some other, you know, pockets of eating and drinking establishments. And also to create, um, affordable housing would be another conversation, but housing, because downtown residential space, despite the you know proliferation of apartment buildings, is still at a real premium.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I'd love to live in a bank building. Um, sorry, just being sarcastic.
0: Um, <laughs> well, you could. I mean, I think the idea would be that you could raise it and uh, true and rebuild something. But,
1: but. you know, the, the one thing and I'll play devil's advocate here. And this is something, again, going back to Falwell, because he is a very opinionated man and I appreciate him for that. Um, his argument uh, with the Project Grace in particular, which is that downtown property, is you're not going to get an investor who spends $30 million on a building putting in that McDonald's and car wash combo. You don't, if you have the capital to do that, you're not going to put something in that's janky that nobody wants. It's a terrible investment strategy. Um, He doesn't foresee that happening. And he is very much of Uh, For someone who works for the government, he very much does not uh, support the government control. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of people that say, yeah, I understand that argument, but should the government be telling people and controlling what goes where in downtown and not allowing the private sector to determine what fits best? And zoning regulations are made to do that. And my thinking is, uh, and this is just a personal point of view here, if the city and the county continue these pr- public-private developments, and I understand um, the desire to have that control, but should the city and county be dictating what is going where when the private sector, that is their role in a capitalist society? And, you know, um, interesting backing up a little bit with, the, with this uh, question as to whether or not why Thermo Fisher couldn't, you know, get any tenants in here. You've lived in big cities. You lived in New York City. I've lived in Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. Um, These big buildings are typically not, you know, populated with one company. You know, the PPD is that was their like global headquarters. So I get that. Um, But being able to rent out different floors or even offices is very, very typical. I mean, you don't see massive buildings getting just one company for the most part. So, why that hasn't happened, I'm very interested to know, have they been trying just to get one company that just, it's not feasible. I mean, even, you know, Live Oak Bank or Encino or Castle Branch, they can't fill those buildings necessarily, even with their big employment. So I'm curious as to why they haven't been able to get, you know, multiple levels of different companies. Yeah, it's, it's and
0: this is on a very high level. I don't know the details. It's my
1: understanding that Thermo was
0: looking to offload the property. Gotcha. Inclusively. Um, including the adjacent empty lots and the parking deck, just to be done with it. Yeah. And the question would be, you know, who's in the right position to take over the building, not as a corporation looking for a flagship building, but mm-hmm. as a landlord. Got it. Um, and so that's probably a little more complicated in this market, especially as you know a lot of folks are saying we, we may be heading into a recession-like economic situation. So I can see how a lot of those factors made that tricky. Yep. And as far as the city, you know, whether or not the city determines how, how the city determines or if they should determine what goes where. I think that's an open question about the philosophy of of how the city and the county want to do things. I mean, the other thing is that the city and the county have a lot of good relationships with a lot of developers. And I think it's you know, understatement of the year, understatement of, of the decade. And uh, there's probably some opportunities for things like development agreements or, you know, rezonings that the city could rezone that property um, to help steer it. You know, a middle path between just trying to Project Ray style directly dictate the development and just throwing it out to the open market and saying, well, we hope they don't build something janky. Yeah. But all of that is what the city will be thinking about over the next 120 days. um, If city council votes to move ahead on Tuesday, they could just say no. Yeah. And one last thing I will point out that um, there's a number of firms involved in this. Thermo Fisher is a massive uh, global global company. And so they appear to have hired a bunch of people to handle this real estate transaction. Totally makes sense. Um, but locally, Cape Fear uh, Development is involved. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Rivenbark is a senior vice president at Cape Fear Commercial. Mm-hmm. And so I asked Bill Sappho about this. I said, do you have any concerns that he might not recuse himself? Because in the past, uh, Rivenbark's explanation of this is that pretty much everyone gets to be a senior vice president at Cape Fear Development. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a title without as much meaning in the corporate structure as you might expect. And so individual brokers kind of get to do their own thing. And he would not see money from it or have a hand in the deal. That's been his argument in the past when K-Fair Development has brought stuff before the city and he has not recused himself. Uh, This is a really big deal. It's hard to imagine he would have nothing to do with it. Um, So Sappho said, yep, you know, we're going to We're going to take this to the attorney's office. They'll probably run it up the flagpole to the UNC School of Government and get their take on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's something they're thinking about because I've already gotten emails about that.
1: Yeah. Good
0: place to leave it. I think that's a good place to leave it. See you next week. Yeah. We'll see you then.